podcast. Welcome to Slash Report. I'm Prue, and I'm joined as ever by my partner in crime, MK. Hello. Hi. She's also brought her partner in crime today. Do you want to introduce her? This is Lijaka, who you might remember from the video games episode. Hello, Lijaka. Thank you for getting scammed into doing the podcast today. No problem. <laughs> Happy to be here. So, guys, what are we talking about today? Iron Man 3. We just got back. Ooh. <laughs> it was surprisingly. <laughs> Not bad. I think I liked it more than Lujaka did. No, I did it's... like it, but I was just surprised because I, I expected it to be really bad. And she's well, saying that as someone who has not seen Iron Man 2. Yeah. Oh, see, here's the thing. Like, everyone who saw Iron Man 2 went into Iron Man 3 being like, there's no way it could be worse than Iron Man 2. <laughs> Why the fuck not? Which is like the, which is basically the feeling that I went into that movie with. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Because I heard that Iron Man 2 was bad and I thought maybe it would be even worse. But it was fun. Iron Man 2 was a disaster. Iron Man 3 I thought was pretty solid. You know know what? Okay, we'll have to talk about that. We'll have to talk about 2 in a little bit. But I feel like Iron Man 2 gets dumped on a lot because it's compared with Iron Man 1, which is still the best of that that series, right? It's still the best one of the Iron Man movies. It probably always will be. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's like an unfair comparison. Like, insofar as superhero movies go, granted, yes, Iron Man 2 was a semi-hot mess. But no worse than a lot of the ones that exist. And I'm not even just comparing it to, like, Spider-Man 3, which remains one of the worst things committed to film of all time. But see, here's the thing. I would put Iron Man 1 and, like, the Avengers and a bunch of other stuff in their own category of, like, these were all awesome. And then I would put Iron Man 2 in that category with, like, all of the Spider-Man movies, the original ones, where I was like, these are fine. But, like, (laughs) they aged real fast. And now when you go back, you're like, those were terrible. But at the time, you were like, that was pretty good. Not anymore. I just, I only saw the first Spider-Man movie, so I don't even know. And that, I was kind of like, it was good at the time, but I had no desire to see the others. Yeah, you you cannot, like, MK is absolutely right. The original Spider-Man movies are so dated now. You cannot rewatch them. They're just, it's a very unkind comparison that you end up making when you do. Like, it's really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Somebody posted some video from them to, like, compare, yeah. and I was just like, oh, God. Do you remember, like, still, like, greatest cinematic moment of our lives was fucking Tobey Maguire in the third Spider-Man movie, dancing down the street, like, dark Spidey? Okay, so Lejaka doesn't know this, but basically the plot of Iron Man, or of Spider-Man 3, is that Spider-Man gets really depressed and emo, starts dressing all in black and becomes, quote, evil? But and becomes a man. It is Venom, but Venom makes him, like, evil, right? But his Venom is, like, he does... There's a point where he really wants this suit, but it's really expensive. And you're like, oh, is he going to steal it? No. He bargains the dude down to a discount. Uh, and that's like, evil? That's evil for Spider-Man. And then there's, like, a scene where he dances in a bar, like, really aggressively, but looking horrible. <laughs> aggressively dances? Yeah. Like, what, does he, like, knock over? He, like, jumps on tables, tables and, like, slides across the room in a chair. And it's a place where Mary Jane works, and she dumped him recently, and, like... It's so embarrassing. He hits on ladies in the street, like, leers at them. It's awful. It's so bad. <laughs> like, it's really just like he was an angry teenager for that movie. Except that in reality, he's like 30, and the character he is was like 30. He was so too old to play that role. Yeah, it was... Well, Tobey Maguire, like, I don't mind Tobey Maguire, but him as Spider-Man never really did it. I loved him in the first one at the time. He was really good, but like you said, he aged out of that role really quickly. Unlike Andrew Garfield, who I think, like, made some sort of satanic pact to look 14 forever. Well, it's him and Jay Baruchel, right? Like, they will be that age forever. Yeah, it's creepy, because have you have you seen the new Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man, Lejaka? No. Oh my he god. He is 29 in that movie. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought he was like... I thought they picked him because they were like, oh, new generation. You know, they did. And yet. He does look like it, but he's older than I am. And I was like, holy goddamn, kid. Like, are you never getting out of puberty? You look 17. (laughs) Maybe. Forever. He'll always be jailbait. Well, that's perfect for Spider-Man. It is. Which is good. But, you know, terrifying. Yeah. Exactly. Right. But we got off track. Let's (laughs) veer back to Iron Man. So. Guys, obviously, if you're listening to this, tons of Iron Man spoilers coming up. So, like, if we get any emails talking about how we spoiled you for the movie, consider yourself an idiot. We're not perceiving. You've been warned. If we're doing a whole episode about a movie, 800% spoilers. Exactly. All right. 
Iron Man 3, who wants to do a really quick summary? Okay. I volunteer you because I'm eating a chicken nugget. Okay, fine. Um, Tony Stark has a midlife crisis over a one-night stand he had in the past and winds up ripping shit out of his chest and giving his girlfriend really expensive gifts and destroying everything he loves, but it works out fine in the end. Okay, that was a horrible summary. Yeah, We're, that was no. That's what happened. No. That was completely inaccurate. because of the Avengers. Okay, yeah. Oh my god, you're useless. Okay, the actual summary of Iron Man 3 is post-New York, post-Tony's traumatic, almost brush with death and going into the fucking wormhole portal. He has undiagnosed but clearly manifest post-traumatic stress disorder, and he's dealing with it by building endless fucking Iron Man suits. Which are awesome. You're so, so special. So he's basically up to Mach 42, right? Like... He's up to, like, the 42nd suit by the time that you get to see him in the movie. And it's Christmas time in Malibu, which is creepy and weird, which is why that holiday shouldn't exist in tropical environments. Yeah. And he's trying to, like, make this relationship with Pepper work while also trying to, like, disguise the fact that he really hasn't slept in three days. Um, And then, like, crazy villain appears out of the mist, and it's a perfect construction of every terrorist cliche that we've ever had played brilliantly by Ben Kingsley. Um, the first moment he shows up on screen, I literally whispered to myself in the theater, like, damn, Gandhi, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) And eventually you realize that it's the extremist plot sort of, and that the villain slash terrorist that we think is the bad guy is just a front and that the actual bad guy is someone who craves, you know, blood and treasure essentially. And Tony doesn't necessarily overcome his PTSD, but he finds some way to make it work for him, which we have to discuss that because I think that that's going to be an issue that as more people see the movie is going to turn into a major point of wank. Of course it is. It's fandom. Well, not even just that, but like I sort of was watching it and I was like, ah, like, I have the emotional maturity of, like, a rock, and I still thought that that was kind of, like, a bad way to handle that situation. Yeah, but it's Tony Stark. Everything he does is basically a bad idea that somehow works out. Which is fine. Like, if that was, if that was the way they portrayed it, like, Tony, this is dumb, but somehow it works for you, because you're Tony, and you're a dumb weirdo that, like, because you're a genius, stuff accidentally works out in your favor, that's one way to do it. But when you have, like, other characters being, like, it's fine, just build some more robots, it'll be okay. Like, that becomes a sort of problematic way to handle, like, a legitimate medical condition. To be fair, the person who gave him that advice was, like, 12. Okay, but that that kid was still, like, the shaman of this movie. Yeah, Yeah, but he was still 12. You could have been like, how do you feel about the Ninja Turtles? And he would have had some strong opinions. Unlikely. Uh, He would be like, what are the Ninja Turtles? Because they're... Exactly. All right, you could ask him about... (laughs) Fuck, what a 12-year-old's like. Um, Pokemon. Transformers. Transformers. You know, the classics. Mm-hmm. That kid was good, though. I was saying, he was just like my nephew. Like, the way he talks, really? his shaggy hair, exactly the same. And even, like, the mechanical thing and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, holy that shit. was precious. I loved him. He was, he was great. Good. Yeah. <sighs> I will say, I had a moment in the theater when... When the house is collapsing into the ocean, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, yeah, there's a lot of Iron Man suits in there, but that's fine. More importantly, Dummy is Dummy dead. Is and I was like, this is how Prue feels all the time. Like, I am really upset about the <laughs> fucking robots right now. Do you see what I'm saying? It was awful. I was in the theater with Marilyn. Um, and when Dummy went into the ocean, because they show Dummy going into yes. the ocean. It's heartbreaking. I, I made this noise. <laughs> Yeah. Because I was sitting there thinking, like, if Dummy falls to the ocean and they try to, like, if they, A, don't address it, or B, try to address it by having Tony make a new Dummy, I will feel so betrayed on both fronts. Like, there is only one Dummy, and he's wearing a dunce cap, and he was trying to clean up after your stupid ass, and you abandoned him in your house. What kind of monster are you? No! But they saved him at the end. They did, and I was like... I let (laughs) on a side. I was like... Yeah, that was like my final exhalation of like, oh thank god, this movie's been rescued from being on my shit list forever. Yeah. I was like, if Dummy makes it, I'm good. 
I was like, almost anyone else in this movie can die, but Dummy needs to be okay. Exactly. If Tony could die, I'd be okay with that. Pepper has to live, and Dummy has to live. And everybody else is just like, all right, I'll be sad if Happy dies. I'm like, okay, if Tony dies, because Tony's never really going to die. But, like, if Dummy dies or Pepper dies, I'm like, it's over. It's over. Nice. It's over. Yeah. But what did you guys think about the plot? Like, too convoluted, like, because I think part of the problem with Iron Man 2 was that the plot was way too convoluted. Like, did you guys feel like this one handled it better? I could understand it, but I didn't really get, um, <laughs> I didn't really get the extremist thing in much detail. Like, it never made sense to me how they could burn up, but their hair doesn't burn and stuff like that. But and I, their pants I assume, stay on. Yeah, I assume that's something maybe in the comics that I could just ignore. But here's the thing. So, I haven't read a lot of the Iron Man comics, but my understanding from fan fiction is that extremists connected his brain to the internet and to, like, a bunch of other crazy shit. It was, like, Wi-Fi what? in his brain. But then what's with the burning thing? Oh, and the breath of fire. And the breath of fire. I was like, <laughs> like where really? is this shit coming from? Yeah. It made no sense. I thought once you breathe fire, you're you're exploding. You would hope so. <laughs> I don't know. And yet, no. I was like, this isn't the extremist I know. It doesn't make sense, but I understand the overarching plot. Like, that all made sense to me. But in the details, I was like, that's really stupid and confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because in case you guys, like, don't know, in the original, you're correct about the original like, function of extremis. It's, like, it mechanized him, basically. Like, his brain becomes intimately connected with both the suit, the internet, and that, like, eventually makes him crazy in a whole different, like, comic sense. But, like, it has nothing to do with, like... Being on fire. Or, or like, <laughs> anything else. And it was just... It was such an odd... Comp- like, and you could see them trying to knit the two ideas together. But it wasn't it, working. No, it wasn't. But they tried really hard in that original scene where... Aldrich um, goes to visit Pepper and he's like, look, I'm mapping my brain. You can see it from this new technology that we have. And I was like, that seems really cool. Clearly you're going to the extremists. Why are people on fire? Yeah. <laughs> Very different than extremists. What just happened? And they seem to also be like super strong and like, yeah, have all these abilities. Yeah. And then at the end, he's like, I fixed Pepper. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Like, How? what does that mean? Why don't you just leave her since she was going to have superpowers? That was she's really obviously cool. good at fighting since I've never seen her fight before. I don't know what she did in number two, but she like p- pounded that guy. I've never seen without her even fight. knowing. Yeah, she was just like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, somehow extremist gives you super soldier strength, gives you instant fight training, and um, and kind of puts you on fire. Kind of somehow like magically curable. Like best minds in the world, all the terrorist money in the world. No one can fucking figure it out, but drunk Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, drunk Tony Stark is still a lot smarter than almost everyone else. Drunk Tony Stark also peed in his suit, MK. <laughs> Who hasn't peed in an Iron Man suit? <laughs> I bet you that Colonel Rhodes has peed in his suit. No! no you have to fly across no. the ocean in that thing. It's like being on a plane. Except that there's the no bathroom. Rose would not need maybe to pee. They, maybe it has something that it just can miss there. In an interview... Like a plane does. Yeah, maybe. In an interview, Robert Downey Jr. said that there is a function for that in the suit. But it's still a concern for me, because he doesn't write the movies. Just bringing that down <laughs> to a real classy level there. I'm really, gl- I'm really glad you chose to do that, okay? Listen. No, I'm not. This <laughs> is carry on. <laughs> So Extremis actually doesn't have anything to do with fire. It just does no. in this movie. No. That no, was, it's not is, it, is that a different plot line, or is they, did they just make it no, up? No, they just made that up. As far as I know, yeah, there's no existing Iron Man plot. Although, obviously, correct us, because MK and I are not necessarily, like, Iron Man comic readers. Yeah, I'm a DC girl, so. Yeah, and I have, like, too many flashbacks. Like, every time they start doing one of Tony's, like, tortured alcoholic sequences, I was like, ugh, no, that was my early 20s. I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So I I can't read it for obvious reasons. Um, Iron Man PTSD. A little bit. A little bit. I didn't even need a wormhole for it. Nice. Stay classy. <clears throat> but I loved Rhodey in this movie. He was so excellent. He was really and good. I love, I yeah, he and was I loved a little Pepper. underused. You know what? Right. I, I did. I loved Pepper in this movie. Though in the back of my head the whole time, I was like, Gwyneth Paltrow is a terrible person. We should hate her. Uh, she's not that bad. She's a little pathetic. She's pretty bad. You know what? If she ever tried to give me life advice, I would probably just point at her and laugh. 
Yeah. Like, for a long you know, time. That's what it is. It's, like, pathetic. Like, she must, I feel like she must have low self-esteem to, like, do all these crazy things and, like, I don't know, goop. That whole thing. Like, yeah. It's like that you don't actually subscribe to the goop newsletter. No. It is hilarious. <laughs> Oh, it is like the greatest injection of like, oh man, that's right. There are people in the world who are like this. Just this shit that she recommends in the group. I'm like, I'm not drumming up business for Gwyneth Paltrow at all because I don't think anyone should do anything that she ever recommends because it's horrible. Yes. But like, if you ever just want like a cruel like, oh man, what went wrong in your life? Laugh. Like the shit that she sometimes recommends on Goop is just like magical. Like. Every summer, she does, like, summer essentials, like, must-have clothing items. And when you, like, tally up how much that outfit costs, it's, like, $300,000. And you're just like, oh, Gwyneth, that's right. You don't know what reality is like. This is great. And then, like, one time she talks about, like, this yoga ceiling sling thing that she did. And, like, the joke is that, like, Gwyneth Paltrow does upside-down bat yoga and, like, a in like a fucking cloth womb and she actually did that and you're just like I can't I can't even it's so beautiful like I don't even have to work hard to make fun of this woman she was on um god I'm gonna forget his name you know that amazing gay talk show host in the UK uh Graham Norton right she was on the Graham Norton show and after all of this like bat yoga sex sling whatever I'm like you know she must be pretty tough and she was talking about it and she was like yeah Robert always cries when he has to put on, like, the actual suit. He says it's really uncomfortable, and he gets in pain, and he gets really upset. She was like, I put it on. It was nothing. I wore it for, like, 18 hours. I was fine. I'm like, but is that because you're evil? Like, it might just be because you're too strong. I think that's because she's too strong, and also Robert Downey Jr., I believe, is a total pussy about stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you know what? He's, like, the spirit animal of half of us. Not me. (laughs) He's a little bit your spirit animal, let's be serious. No way! Take it back! No, I refuse, because it's true. If you had millions and millions of dollars, you would probably be a lot like Tony Stark, which is like Robert Downey Jr., so... In what ways would I behave like Tony Stark? Well, you would probably start chain-smoking and drinking a lot more, and, like, having ill-advised parties that you hated. Yeah. I I can't deny those facts. And, like, sleeping with a bunch of strangers who you also hated. And then being upset about it and hating yourself. Yeah, but I wouldn't be like a tech genius and wouldn't have a robot suit. Not for lack of trying. We would just, if you're rich, you could buy it. Yeah. You have to build it. Oh yeah, now she likes it. (laughs) Now I'm okay with it. See? As long as I get a robot suit. Yeah. You're like Asian lady potential Tony Stark. (laughs) (laughs) Mary and I have this constant awful conversation where like, it's so lucky that I was born a lady because if not, I would be like the worst human in the world. (laughs) Like if I was a man, like I would be douche you would ever hated yeah i don't think the only mitigating factor to this behavioral pattern is me being female i don't think we could be friends if you were a dude no i would be too busy trying to bang you and like aggressively (laughs) not listening if you said no thanks you see that right there i'm like that's funny she's jiggling her boobs at me if you did that to me as a dude i'd be like yo that is completely informed consent right there (laughs) Uh, good job good job of being human (laughs) so pepper we should talk about her in this movie i really liked that at the beginning they had like the strong independent executive pepper like you Mm -hmm. get to see her do a bunch of shit and she doesn't care if you try to use tony against her in negotiations Mm -hmm. or like she's not taking any shit from anybody she's just like and she actually told that guy just no no what happened that was good yeah she was like i don't care about your emotional manipulation the answer is no yep Mm -hmm. that was solid because i don't know I was worried that she would be too much the damsel, you know? Like, that she would just be, like, the girl who's in trouble. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there is a chunk of the movie where she's just the girl in trouble. But then she kicks ass, so... Mm-hmm. She kicks ass in, like, the best way. Mm-hmm. And almost accidentally, but not quite. Like, she's definitely had some training. Yeah. I feel like, like probably tackled her into some class at one point. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, because I was like, okay, I could believe that Pepper is actually really good at physical stuff because she's good at everything, right? Yeah. So I could see that, but... Uh, she's definitely changed a lot since the first movie. Like, first movie she Pepper. She a lot to work off her anger. Yeah, but she was probably doing, like, something stupid at the gym in the first movie, whereas by the third one, you're like, she's probably taking, like, God, what's that really aggressive martial art that starts with an Or that, sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
I was gonna say that there's like one where you can just punch through things, but yes, all of them, all of the crazy martial yeah. arts. I'm sure she is. She kind and of thought that... the suit mm-hmm. too. I was surprised. Yeah. So like, okay, I know that only one of the suits he said he could program to like go for Pepper, right? Oh yeah. Because he says like he only has the one that's mm-hmm. that he can mm-hmm. call to him or whatever, and he tells Rhodey that. They're all programmed to him, but they're clearly also programmed to Pepper because he does that in, like, the house exploding scene. Yeah. So, like, has she been in it before? Because she seemed relatively comfortable, but she also didn't know how to fly. hmm Well, I think that, first of all, Tony was lying when he said he couldn't call a suit for Rhodey. Yeah. He didn't really want to give Rhodey another suit. Because he's just going to name it something lame, like Iron Patriot. Um, to be fair, that did really well with the test groups. <laughs> exactly. Um, even though his password is still War Machine Rocks with a Z, yeah. which was just, like, the greatest awesome. moment of, like... All caps yeah. with an X. <laughs> yeah. That was great. So good. So good. Um, I think that he was lying about being able to call the suits. And I feel like as long as you're somewhere in, like, the Stark private server, which, like, you know Rhodey is, because Tony's, like, a creepy person who stalks people. Oh, like, yeah. that he could have, like, he could have put your face into it. But I thought it was interesting that they did show that she didn't know how to really operate the suit yeah. on some level. Like, some instinctive things she could do, like, you can definitely, like, run over to someone and stop them from being killed by a piece of concrete. But, like, anything more complex than that is not, like, that suit is not intuitive. And it's a Tony Stark OS. Like... That's got to be so much worse than trying to, like, use Ubuntu, even. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least he doesn't make you install a new kernel every time you start it up. Maybe he does. Maybe that's the actual password. Jesus. Well, the good news is, then, that Happy can never have a suit. Which, like, sorry, Happy, but if Happy had a suit, it would be the worst thing that in the world. The worst. <laughs> the whole, like, dark side, oh my god. Yeah, he would be, like, the villain of Iron Man 4. Yes. Oh. <laughs> you know it's true. Yeah. But speaking of villains, come on, the Mandarin. Who was that guy? It's Ben Kingsley. No, no, not Ben Kingsley. Oh, the other guy. Yeah. This guy Pierce. I don't know who he is. Uh, From Didn't he used to be with Madonna? Oh, maybe. I think that's why. No, that's saying. that's the that's the director. Oh. Uh, that's Scott Ritchie. Okay. When, uh. it, when he first came on screen as the nerd, I was like, one, this dude is way too handsome. Like, he's definitely going to be really handsome later. Underneath all of those. <laughs> yeah, good look. That was, no, that no, was like, what I thought. Like, like bone structure, uh, you can see it. Like, it was not God, covered so up that well. Uh, no in that movie was Guy Pierce handsome. <laughs> what? Like, Are you he serious? Cleaned up when... You could see the cleaned up face but... underneath the, like, shitty face. Yeah, I know, but it doesn't mean that he's, like, even... classically handsome. No, but, like, Hollywood yeah, handsome. You. Like, even cleaned up and less sweaty, he was never handsome. What are you talking about? Well, I wasn't attracted to him, but he was like, you know. Okay, possible. this is where I have to like cut in with like a public service handsome. announcement to remind everyone that MK is face blind. <laughs> yeah. Now to carry on with the face blind theme, it was like an hour of that movie of me trying to figure out if he was being played by Brad Pitt. <laughs> like I was like, I can't tell. It's a blind dude with weird cheekbones. It's got to be him. Yeah. But no. no so no. it's not that attractive. I was relieved. See, I don't find Brad Pitt attractive. Well, I don't find him attractive anymore, but uh, Guy Pierce is not that attractive. All right. Well, to yeah. me, they look very similar. Like, right. But what yeah. I was actually trying to get at was a discussion about the Mandarin as an interesting villain concept. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, yeah. I was also wondering if that was in the comics. Like, is the Mandarin, like, Ben Kingsley Mandarin, is he also a front in the comic mm-hmm. books? Or is no. he actually the real villain? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's nodding He's her head. He's a real deal villain in the original comics. Let me look this up and find out a little bit more about his background. But you should explain what is actually the setup for that. I don't know. Like in the no, movie? No, in the movie. Oh. So Guy Pierce is, uh, he's a scientist or something, right? Yeah. And he's interested in biochemical engineering or whatever for getting power and getting lots of money from... I thought it was to fix, like, a physical defect in himself. Well, because, yeah, he had, yeah, he had a lot of issues, but I think that was just the beginning. Okay. And then Tony Starks leaves him <laughs> stranded. <laughs> stranded uh, on Stands him up, and he has a lifelong, I don't know. High school grudge? Yeah, pretty much. It was, like, a Tony. really childish, like, it's literally, like, if you had accidentally, not even, okay, if you had been kind of a dick to someone in high school. Yeah. Once. And then, like, 30 years later, they were like, I'm going to ruin your life. You're like, really? Yeah. And he happened to, used to work with Pepper and had a thing for her, which was convenient. Yeah. Uh, And so he hires the Mandarin, Ben Kingsley, 
who is an like actor, a who's drug, amazing drug addict actor, <laughs> to pretend to so be like funny. the next Osama bin Laden. Yeah. It made me, his portrayal of the Mandarin was so creepy and made mm. me so uncomfortable. Like, the, like, Bible accent. Yeah. With, like, <laughs> the crazy talk and, like, like, it's the kind of shit that just, it was so it believable. Real. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought the perfect genius of it was, is like we were saying, he's, like, a perfect construction of what we think is a terrorist, mm-hmm. right? Like. It's like the media presentation of a terrorist. Yeah. Exactly. So. In terms of distractions, it was a perfect one. Mm-hmm. And Ben Kingsley plays it with such, like, marvelous menace and, yes. like, total psychopathy, like, just under the surface. Um, and then to find out, like, about, what, two-thirds of the way through the movie mm-hmm. that he's literally just, like, a drunk drug addict that they picked off of, like, a street corner in Croydon to play this role was just... That was my absolute favorite part of the movie after Pepper kicking ass at the end. I was just like, that is a brilliant turn. Mm -hmm. I really liked that. It is amazing. Yeah. I liked how they thought, like, they thought he was in Pakistan or whatever, somewhere Afghanistan. Yeah. Because they had all these shots and everything. They weren't. They were in, like, a sound studio in Miami. Yeah. Which is amazing. And it's one of those things where, like, this is one of the first movies I've seen in a while where it was a white terrorist using, (laughs) like, a foreign person as a friend. Like, that's great. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also it also shares like the more I think about this, there's more parallels to Die Hard because you have someone using terrorism as a front for essentially robbery. Yeah. So you have Aldrich like basically setting up the perfect terrorist, but his primary goal eventually is to be able to profiteer from the war on terror. Mm-hmm. So it's like the same sort of thing, and as a result, you have a really interesting sort of like point of view on the way that like the government views the sort of crime these days. I found that really weird. Okay, so I understand that his goal is to, like, hype up even more the war on terror, profit from it, whatever, do some crazy shit. But all of the other people who were involved were like, we want to, you know, if someone loses a limb, we want to be able to replace that limb. Which is, like, an amazing scientific Mm -hmm. advance. They were doing it. They just needed to get past the, like, turning into a ball of fire shit (laughs) and just have, like, functional limb regrowth. Mm -hmm. Which, if he had just done that, he could have made, like, billions of dollars and saved lives and gone down as, like, a hero in history. Yeah, but I think his main goal, besides getting lots of money maybe in power, is uh, screwing up Tony Stark. <laughs> like yes. that's what it seemed like. Even though he was trying to hire Tony all the time. It's like it was really weird, right? Because he's like, I hate Tony Stark, I need to ruin his life, and then he's like, But I can't fix this thing without the genius of Tony Stark. And yeah. like, do you hate him or do you love him? Like it kind of seems like you have a hate boner for him. Yeah, yes. that's like the perfect Actually, word exactly. for it. <laughs> I think we've figured it out. Hate boner. Uh speaking of hate boners. That amazing guy in the media van who has the tattoo <laughs> yeah, of Tony Stark on his arm. Great. He was perfect. That was like the distillation of everything I never want to be. Like, it was just so beautiful. It was great. Yeah, I it was myself absolutely perfect. Yeah. I want to. But this movie in general was also like really charmingly funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were like, I get it. I get why he's like this, and it's very exciting. And if I met Tony Stark, I would probably also make it like a giant fool of myself. Mm-hmm. But, like, weirdly charming. <clears throat> well, I didn't... <clears throat> that, too, which is something we'll come back to. But in addition to Tony Stark, like, the biggest laugh of the movie in my theater um, was when he was in that, like, scientist dungeon and he's, like, holding all the little guards hostage or whatever. And that guy holds up his gun. He's like, actually, I hate this job. All these guys are really weird. Yes. <laughs> Everyone cracked the fuck up. Was, and you know what? You sat there and you're like, that's probably really true. Like, you would not enjoy this job. You'd be like, oh, the pay is so good, but everything about this job is terrible. So fucked up. Why am I here? I think we all understood that guy in yes. that moment. Like, yeah. until that moment, they were all just faceless thugs. And then that guy's like, fuck, I need a new job. And you're like, you do need a new job. And Tony's like, legit, you can leave. Go yes. ahead clearly don't want to be yeah um the other part of it which i don't know whether or not you have you ever seen kiss kiss bang bang i've seen part of it it's you it's one of the greatest most underrated like dark comedies ever and it stars robert um it stars robert downey jr playing a completely hapless thief 
and it's directed by Shane Black. And he is the same guy who directed Iron Man 3. So, you know, when the movie starts and he has that weird, like, voiceover where he's basically, like, bumbling, um, I think Marilyn leaned over in the theater and she's like, oh, my God, Perry, you suck at telling stories because that's, like, a running through line from Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is Robert Downey Jr.'s character attempting to tell you a story and just failing every <laughs> step of the way. And it's the same... And that humor melded so well with the uh, Iron Man universe. Like every single thing where like Tony was about to be super cool and then just failed mm -hmm. across the board. It's just like so fucking accurate to that character and just goes really well with that director's style. Like when he's like being really awesome and then like the suit gets hit by a semi. Yeah. And he's like being really cool and like calls the suit to him and then it just like falls apart right when it gets to him. He's like... <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> that's the shit that i love in like fan fiction with tony stark i'm just like please yeah. make him a beautiful failure <laughs> he fails upward man he does fail upward it's like my favorite trope of all time <laughs> it is i can't deny are you eating chicken noodle soup and drop oh, okay all right so where does this movie stand in terms of compared to the original compared to the second compared to the other avengers movies I'd say it makes more sense than the Avengers. Because, like, I came out of the Avengers really pumped. But in retrospect, there were a lot of problems with that movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, like, it wasn't as exciting as the Avengers, but it made more sense. It'll never be as good as Iron Man 1, but it far surpassed Iron Man 2. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know about Iron Man 2, but I agree with the rest. Yeah. Although I still, it still bothers me at the beginning when the house is destroyed. Pepper gets the one suit, saves the other girl. Oh, yeah. Why doesn't Tony get one of the other suits? There are, like, like, 30. 42 suits in the basement. Like. Well, the, I, think the, I think the issue is that you can't call those suits to him. He says that, but later, 42 fucking suits arrive at that oil tanker. Is That's that because he doesn't have the Jarvis thing in his ear? No, he has to have it there, because, like, he always does. Yeah, because he called it, to, well, I don't fucking know. I yeah, know. no, I think that like, was just, like, a giant fucking plot Yeah, hole. every so often during the movie, I was like, why? What about? Why didn't you just call those 42 Is fucking there a reason, suits? Or did they just say, fuck continuity, it looks better when he's not in a suit? Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, a ma major plot point is him being able to do stuff without the Iron Man suit, right? Like, when he yes. breaks into that mansion, yeah. which is shit he bought from a hardware store. And he almost saves Pepper without the suit. I was like, okay, it would be so much easier if he had the suit, but they want to make him do it without. Although, you know, then she falls. Yeah, because he says, like, I'm just a man in a can. And this is the movie where he proves that he's not just a man in a can, right? Like... Yeah. He is just as important as the suit. Mm -hmm. Even if he doesn't have, like, Rhodey's military skills or, like, mm -hmm. Pepper's capability, mm -hmm. there's that essence of Tony that makes him really worthwhile. Absolutely, which brings us to kind of, like, an interesting question. How do you interpret the way that that movie ended? Because I came out of that being like, what, what does this mean? Like, he just blew... So at the end of the movie, Tony Stark, having almost died in this stupid fight, thinking Pepper died, and then having to get his nuts pulled out of the fire at the last minute by Pepper, who should just really just beat people all the time. She's, like, so hot and furious when she's kicking people's asses. <laughs> True. It was so awesome. It was the most lesbian I've been since college, watching that scene. <laughs> nice. Um, no, wait, Minnie Merlin. That doesn't count. I think it does. No. There was enough malt liquor there to count. Um, but then, like, he blows up all of his suits, and at the end of the movie, he says something like, basically, he's not going to tinker with this anymore, like, he doesn't have to be this, like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, is he's, he not going to be Iron Man anymore? Like, he's definitely still going to be Iron Man. Because mm -hmm. there's an Avengers 2 movie. There's an Avengers 2, yeah. That's what I was like, okay, so he got, he did get the, uh, shrapnel taken out of the So parts. he isn't reliant on the arc reactor yeah. anymore. But I mean, like, what's he going to do? Like, he is a mechanic, like he was telling that kid, like, is he not going to build stuff? Yeah, right. He's still definitely going to build yeah. shit. He'll just have fun building them from scratch again. Yeah. That's what I figure. I feel like it's almost like he just, like, scraps everything and is like, clean slate so yeah. I can build more. Start fresh <laughs> with a better Iron Man suit. That's right. Where the arc reactor only has to power one thing, not his heart and the suit. Mm -hmm. That's true. Although I do feel like they started, um, I mean, there are two ways you can read the fixing pepper from Extremis thing, right? Um, there's the one way you can read it where, like, this is a dumb plot point. If it was this easily rectifiable, like, what yeah. the fuck? Or, and this is the way I choose to read it, like, I don't think that Tony just got his shrapnel taken out. 
Like, this is a guy who was just, like, without safety protocols, like, stabbing himself with chips so that he could, like, call the suit to him. Like, in a basement, having not slept for 72 hours. Like, if you give him this new technology that has the potential to do all this really interesting stuff, why would he not take advantage of that? You think there's going to be, like, the comic book extremists more so in Avengers I think you would be really stupid not to take advantage of that. Because you've now establish the canon that Tony Stark is becoming like sort of a cyborg or sort of an android. Like he's half mechanical now. Like he's taken out the necessary component with like the arc reactor in his chest, but now it's no longer a survival thing, right? Now it's like a choice of preference where he still has all these things like in his body. And I I mean, like I, he just reads as the type of guy who would be like, I don't see why I shouldn't chip myself. To be fair. One. If I had that ability to, like, program shit and I could have brain internet, I would do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it's it would be like Google Glass, only, like, literally in your head. Yeah, you wouldn't look like such a douchebag. One day they will fix those glasses so you don't look like a dick, <laughs> and I'm gonna be the first one to own those. Do you think so? Oh my god, are you serious? It would change my life. Do you know how much I'm lost? Yeah, so am I, but that's what my iPhone is for. You realize who cannot find her way, even with the iPhone directions. Are you serious? Yes, because just compass. because you show me a map doesn't mean I know which direction you want me to go. I think you have to play it have, It shows which direction you're facing, doesn't it? Yeah. There's a compass thing, but it's not no, always, no. like, super, super reactive. And, like, well, a lot of times I figure out it's the wrong direction when, like, I'm halfway down another avenue. And then I'm like, God And it's just the worst because I'm like, I literally have a map with a compass function. I still can't find my way. This is why I need augmented reality. All right, that's fair enough, but also I feel like you need to play more old school video games because that's basically how I learned how to use a map. Yes, MK, because in my age and in this juncture in my life, what I really need to do is find something else to be obsessive. <laughs> Final Fantasy VI, I think it could change your life. Except for that world of ruin. Yeah, I'm not into Where you're the... like, like the floating things and you have to find the place to jump off. Fuck. That was really hard. Yeah. I went around like five times and I was like, I can't find it. And we were at the cottage and Alex was like, I was like, oh, yeah, I just was. Anytime Alex O'Shea is like, let me fix your video game problems, (laughs) just hand him the controller. Uh, That fucker can do anything. Yeah. So in (laughs) summary, what did we think of Iron Man 3? Thought it was great. Very good. Worthwhile. Yeah. Have you guys noticed something, how, like, we all enjoyed the movie? We're not really, like, super pumped about it. I'm not, like, fanish about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's the fanish excitement reaction, and then there's, like, the, yeah, that was a really great movie. I'm like, yeah, that was a really great movie. But see, I'm not, like, I've never really fanish about Marvel movies. Like, they're fun, and I'll read your, like, I'll read Avengers fanfic, but it's not, like, it's not the end-all be-all of my existence. But, I like, I came out of this movie, and I was like, that was totally solid. yeah. I feel like maybe yeah. it's a little worrisome that, like, in a couple years, if I try to rewatch that, I might not like it as much. Also, I got excited about some stupid things in that movie, like the fact that uh, a dude from NCIS LA is in it, and Sheriff Stalinsky from Teen Wolf is in it. Wait, wait, who from NCIS LA is in it? Uh, his name is Granger, and he's, like, sort of on Hetty's level, but he's, like, sometimes in charge of them. But what was he playing? Um, he was the vice president of the United States. Hmm. Mm. That guy's good. He's a good actor. How did they... That plot point about the vice president actually being one of the bad guys and, like... Well, it's not so much like, I mean, yes, he's a bad guy because he's willing to kill the president. But again, this is that thing where I'm like, half the people working on this really just want a fix for amputees. Yeah, Yeah, like, I didn't get how they... I don't know. Some of the things they didn't really explain very well, which, you know, it doesn't matter that much when you're watching the movie, but then after you start to wonder about it, like, how did... How did the they guy get start talking to him? Because he obviously wanted the president at first to use him. And then by the end, he's like, oh, we can kill you. We don't need you anymore. Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah. No, it was, you're completely right. And it goes right back to the whole, like, you have this technology that if you perfect it, would be world changing and make you a bajillionaire. Like, if you just made it solid and you didn't distract yourself with this bizarre, like, create a terrorist thing Mm -hmm. and also like the more i think about the whole like his argument being like if i control the president and the world's most terrifying terrorist like i can broker the world the war on terror forever how 
he doesn't actually he's not a weapons manufacturer like what the fuck like <laughs> it was it was sort of like you look I look back on it and I was like wait a minute because he's like, a fake yeah. terrorist he's not real yeah but even if he is like does AIM make weapons? Like, what does it do? You're never really clear on it. The only scientist from AIM you really know about is the weird botanist. Lady. I was going to say, it's like a botanist. This is like a weird SGA Parish Lauren fic gone wrong. <laughs> yeah. SGA so Parish like, is a botanist, uh-huh. and Lauren is like a military guy, and they were background characters, but they were a very popular pairing, so people wrote like weird botany-based fic. Interesting. And I'm like, Iron Man 3 had the like weird botany subplot except that it was the main plot except i mean just like the more you think about it the more you were like wait, you were gonna control the war on terror with botany like <laughs> what what like, is what, going like, were on they trying to like like build soldiers because it kind of seems like that but then not really but not really i get yeah i guess maybe like the super soldiers was the ultimate goal of that maybe. project but... it's kind of dumb because i mean like soldiers don't they're not as good as machines anymore like why bother yeah plus these guys are soldiers who are also like ultimately they're just bombs yeah exactly well unless he can teach somebody else to to breathe fire (laughs) then they're impressive (laughs) i feel like they realized how dumb that was because they inserted the Tony Stark line. He's like, oh my god, you breathe fire. What the fuck? That was Rhodey. Yeah, it's Rhodey. Rhodey's like, are you serious, bro? But, like, the problem is, like, that doesn't make it better. It's like, it's like earlier this week I was trying to, like, explain to Lepagus how, like, deep and dark I've fallen into the supernatural hole. And I was just like, it's so terrible. I can't believe this is happening. And she was like, dude, hanging a lantern on your crazy does not make it less crazy. And I was like, having Rhodey comment on the stupidity of him being able to breathe fire doesn't make it less stupid. It's it's not even just breathing fire, though, right? It was like a projectile beam of fire. It was like dragon fire. It was like dragon fire meets a laser. Yeah. From his mouth. Yeah. And his shirt stayed on. Yes. Most of it. Okay. Tony Stark blows him up. Inside an Iron Man suit, okay, like, throws him off of a building. His face is all melted off. His, like, tattoos are still somehow there. But his pants stay on. His pants are fine. Like, you were in the center of an explosion. Those are the greatest pants in humanity. <laughs> you know what? I bet... He's gonna dig through the shrapnel or he's gonna make Pepper do it because he's like, it's hot. You're strong. I'm not touching that. <laughs> they're gonna take the pants and they're gonna patent it and it's gonna be the next Stark Enterprises like major production thing. Well, the more pants. I thought about it, the more I was like, do you think that once he realized that the people who have extremis in them, like, catch fire and explode, he was like, I need pants that will still be there after I've exploded. <laughs> and that was, like, botany step two. Indestructible pants. <gasps> the Hulk can have them. I think the Hulk already has yeah, them. Sure. But he can have a better pair. Like, they were tailored and everything. It's true. What if you could make them, like, tailored and fully functional when he's hulked out, and then he shrinks back and they just, like, whoop? Yeah, and it, it just, it makes you think about, like, okay, do you guys remember, like, the forever, you, you'll you know this one, because you're a DC girl, okay? The forever stupid, like, why doesn't Superman's goddamn suit just fall off of him forever? And, like, the only response they ever came up with was, like, it's attached to my body, so it's as strong as I am. And you're like, what actual <laughs> stupid shit is that? In Lois and Clark, they said that his body projected a field, like, one millimeter thick. That protected it. And I was like, how? Wait, what about his boots? Have you ever seen a like, millimeter? And there's one time where it doesn't work, which is when, it, like, in Lewis and Clark, he's, like, trying to push a meteor out of the path of hitting Earth, and he winds up catching fire and crashing back to Earth naked. Even his glasses have burned up. But, like, two episodes later, they're like, the suit is indestructible. And you're like, how? <laughs> <laughs> ah. So dumb. Fucking so Superman. Dumb. Oh, that was also the first time I'd seen the Superman trailer, by the way. Yeah, me too. Okay, we have to talk about that trailer. I have mixed feelings. Go on. They're trying to Batman Superman. Yes. Mm. It's, that's not gonna work. I know, I'm really worried. And it's Christopher Nolan, so I assume that at some point Superman gets married and then tries to murder his wife. (laughs) That's what Christopher Nolan does. Do you ever think Christopher Nolan's wife gets really concerned? I'm really worried about <laughs> she it. She right? watches all of his movies and she's like, hmm. Plus, in most of his movies, the person that Christopher Nolan casts as the guy trying to kill his wife looks like Christopher Nolan. True. So you're like, 
Dude definitely wants to murder his wife. Need some therapy. Just get a divorce. Jesus. Stop working at your shit through the medium of inception. Yeah. Oh. So many problems. <laughs> but, um... No, no, I'm not, I'm not excited. I'm like, I'm gonna, I have to go see it, obviously. Yeah, we're not happy about it. No, I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna be like, all right, I'm here. Yeah. Let's watch Superman. I'm completely annoyed that that movie is happening. Yeah, you know what? This is gonna piss off a lot of people, but I don't think I've ever seen a good Superman movie. Well, they're not. They're not good. I mean, I only know the old ones, but even those, they're not good, but they kind of know it. Like, they don't care. It's not even, okay, I turned on one of the old ones once, like, it was on TV, and at first I didn't know what it was, because Lois Lane was in Superman's arms, and in her head, but aloud, on the screen, was reciting poetry at him, but he couldn't hear her because it was in her head. It was like a ten minute scene of her what? in her head, like, spewing love poetry at Superman as he flew them somewhere. And then he sets her down and they go have a conversation because he didn't hear any of it because it was in her head. Are you sure he can't read thoughts? Yes. And I was no, like, that's not one of his magical skills. He does have the kiss of forgetting, though. That's right. <laughs> kiss yeah. of forgetting. Yeah. At the moment that she was like, love poetry midair that he can't hear, I was like, I'm done. I'm done <laughs> with Superman. Hitting the eject button. For the rest of my life. When I was a kid, huge Superman fan. At that moment, I was like, it's over. <laughs> we well, have to I mean, break up. I think the fundamental problem with, like, an Iron Man is a great movie to show this contrast, is that... Superman is not a superhero that works in modern society. Like, still the greatest Superman media that I can think of is the new adventure, um, the new adventures of Batman and Superman cartoons that used to run in the afternoons. Those are still great. I actually saw one recently and just like watched the whole fucking thing again because it was the Mitzel Pixie whatever, where basically this little troll fairy dude keeps trying to like murder people, but Clark is like you know what? Here's the thing. If uh, you get me, if you trick me into somehow like saying your name backwards or some, or like um, if I trick you into somehow saying your name backwards, like you have to cut it out. And it's just a great episode because he's busy doing Superman stuff, but he's also really smart and like, it's funny and you get a lot of like credit. You get a lot of like leeway when you're doing a cartoon Superman is way too black and white, way too primary colors, red, blue, and yellow, to be an interesting character in any incarnation that we have seen. Now, who knows? Maybe, like, six unicorns will fuck eight rainbows, and somehow this movie is going to be good. But, like, the only thing I took away from that fucking trailer as I watched it was A... I hate the super suit even more than I thought I would. Because he looks like he has scales. He looks Which, like, like he has scales, little, yeah. And there's like a weird line to his penis that makes me really uncomfortable. Like the way that they like notice that man, it's really That's weird looking. So first of all, like he looks like he has scales, which like that is some super ashy skin you have there. Get some lotion. <laughs> yeah. And number two, like the actor who is the guy they had cast to play him, forgettable, dark-haired, blue-eyed man. Mm-hmm. Whatever the guy they chose to play him, like I don't know if it was just the audio mix in my theater. He sounded sort of muppety. Yes! <laughs> like, he does not have the gravitas of voice that I want for Clark Kent. You know what? I don't know. My favorite Superman will always be Lois and Clark, because it was, like, really campy, but they also showed, like, a stupid human side of Superman, right? It's like a dude with yeah. superpowers who is also an idiot while being really smart. And that's what made it so charming. Like, he could they speak so many this- languages and do so many great things, and he was really strong. And anytime Lois Lane walked into the room, he lost all of his IQ points. Yeah. But I mean, they've also done the story so many times and had so many interpretations. And like, I did, I sort of disliked all of them. Like, yeah. I feel like, you know, when they do Batman, like, there are so many good Batmans. Like, so many. I enjoy, like, most iterations of Batman. But anytime they do Superman, I'm like, it's going to be terrible. Exactly. And like, there may be, there's, like, one iteration of Superman. There are two iterations of Superman that I like. Some of the comics um, and the cartoon. Okay, man, you know what? I'll give it three. There is also a novel called The Death and Life of Superman, which I really enjoyed. But that's it. That's three out of, like, the millions of Superman things that exist. Well, I told you that my favorite appearance of Superman in a Batman comic is in the War Games, War Drums, whatever arc, where, like, 
Gotham City is fucked, like, fucked mm-hmm. beyond repair. And it's a huge arc, and in the middle of it, there's a single issue where Superman is like, I've got a day, I'm gonna go and save Gotham. And he gets there, and every time he tries to help them, the people of Gotham are like, get the fuck out of here, this is not a one-day fix. This needs, like, infrastructure yeah. and investment from the government, and you can't do it, so just leave. And he leaves, yeah. and he's really sad, you're like, deal with it. He's just, like, he's sort of disinteresting. I'm sort of, like, the only way to make Superman, like, um, a morally gray sort of interesting character and i think this is where they're obviously going to go with it is to like delve into his kryptonian history right but like a he was like an infant when he left so whatever shit's gone on it's like jor-el's problem which like don't even get me started on how much i hate jor-el everyone hates but, like, jor-el yeah but like how is that so anyways the point was like Crow i saw the trailer and i was like i saw the trailer for that and i was like this is, like, in perfect contrast. Like, Tony Stark as a character, like, even outside of him being Iron Man, is such, like, an interesting, complicated person, which makes him really intriguing to everyone watching this movie. And then you've got, like, Clark Kent, who I really like sometimes. He could be, like, he's... a terrible reality TV star. Like, farm boys of Kansas go to the big city. First of all, that's, like, a porn right there. <laughs> farm, well, listen, reality TV show premises and porn... They cross over a lot. Oh, similarly, guys, um, if you guys want, like, a super hilarious and retrospect, ex- like, experience of, like, how did we get away with this on television, go rewatch the pilot of Smallville, which is just so shady. Like, so shady. That, like, you look back on it now and I've you're like... I've never seen it either. It's so shady. So the part that you need to focus in on is that, like, in the pilot of Smallville... Tom Welling, who is, like, six foot twenty, killing fucking bears for fun, whatever, like, most unconvincing 15-year-old in the history of time, is playing a 15-year-old. And, like, the first major interaction that you have of these two guys is, A, like, saving his life off the fucking, saving Lex Luthor's life off the fucking bridge. Michael Rosenbaum trying to, like, eye-sex the camera in every single scene that he's in. And, like, let's not even discuss the sort of shady, phallic garbage that goes on when Clark goes to the mansion to be like, I know I saved your life and you bought me this truck, but I can't keep it. So let's just stare at each other a lot instead. And then like, <laughs> we'll go to the pool. Yeah, like we'll go to the pool. It'll all be like really homoerotic. This isn't creepy at all. I know you're 22 and I'm 15, but there's nothing wrong with this. So and it's just like, yeah, I rewatched and I was like, oh, damn. Like, that is some shit happening on my television right now. Oh, suddenly I understand why Smallville fandom was so big. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it was just... And terrible. <laughs> Basically the precursor to SPN. In you terms of, like, J2. J2, in my head, is very similar to Smallville fandom in terms of, like, bat shittery and sugar levels. Well, I don't know. I feel like all things related to Supernatural are their own separate, very special crazy. Like, mm-hmm. it's very hard to compare them to anything else because there are always three tiers. There are the people who just like looking at pretty pictures of them, but they're crazy fanish. Yeah. There's like the sort of, I would say, semi-norm fans, which is the largest bunch. So you get like the really cute rom-com stories and like adventures and Jen and like Slash and stuff. And then there's like the dark underbelly of like J2 and SPN fandom, which is like darker and more underbelly than almost any other fucking fandom in the world. And I'm including Glee right now. Whoa. Whoa. Still, still out. It still out fucks up Glee. Because I still think that Glee is the darkest corner of the internet right now. Not true. Not true. the Bugcock fandom. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, I was going to ask you about that, but I don't, don't want to hear. You don't. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Chanel, you know. Now you can never unknow that. <laughs> I'm going to wipe that from my memory. Good luck. Well, I'll try. <laughs> All right, so last question before we get off on this. What do we think is going to be Tony Stark? What is Tony Stark going to be like in the next Avengers movie, and what is the next Iron Man movie going to be? God, are they even making another Iron Man movie? I feel like they must be. I don't know. What if they just are like Avengers forever? Where right, Johnny so Jr. has other stuff to do. What is he going to be in the next Avengers movie? I think he'll just uh, make another suit. But I wonder if he'll have a suit ready at the beginning or if it'll be like he'll be building other stuff and then shit will start to happen and he'll be like, Shh, okay, I have to like get back. 
yeah. in the Iron Man suit. That would be interesting. Because I wonder how long it takes him at this point to build a suit. Because, like, how much time passed between the Avengers and Iron Man 3 for him to build 42 suits? Six months? <laughs> Six months? <laughs> no problem. Yeah, well, like, if we were going to use the actual passage of time, it's Christmas. Yeah. Around in the Iron Man movie, and it's, like, clearly summer. Yeah. During the Avengers movie. It's, so like, not that long. Yeah. And he built and he a variety that. of suits. Like, yeah. not just the same suit over and over. Like, they had crazy differentiations. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, he but still he realizes that... <laughs> what? He wasn't sleeping. Yeah, I know. He wasn't sleeping. But he still realizes that aliens are still out there. Yeah. Like, the cause of his anxiety is still around. He so maybe them. he'll have, kind of, like, in the back of his mind, something ready. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that he'll hide it from Pepper. Maybe he wants to be, like, sorry, and, like, pull up a suit. <laughs> So we like fuck. You. I know we were making out, but um, I don't mean to. <laughs> I could see that happening. Yeah, yeah. Like Coulson's replacement comes and says, "Uh, they're back," and he looks at Pepper and says, "Sorry." Sorry. And she says, "Knew it was coming." Yeah. Wait, do we actually think that they're gonna have like a real replacement for Coulson? Like, Wait, no. which unfortunate fucking Shield agent is yeah. gonna be the new Tony Stark Wrangler? I have a question though, um, because Coulson is appearing in the Avengers TV series, right? So is he actually well, legit dead? Is well, so here's the thing. Like, I don't know. He's appearing in the series, but we don't know if the series is getting picked up yet. Mm. So we can't really assume that anything related to that is canon. And as far as we know, no one has said that he's not dead. But it's weird, because I feel like Clark Gregg has been talking about it, like, like for months. That's because he's not dead. Like, in the actual reality of, like, fanish reality, Coulson is not dead. Like, that was just a stupid thing that they did, and they're jerks, and he'll come back. Mm-hmm. But we don't actually know, is the problem. I thought he was going to come back as that new superhero. Was it, like, I don't know. Oh, Vision? Maybe? Please, yeah, like- no. <laughs> <laughs> like, Marvel Studios is not listening to this, because if they did, they would make better life choices about <laughs> botanists and AIM. But, like... Please don't make Coulson Vision. Oh, for like so many reasons, including but not limited to the fact that Vision sucks and I don't like him. Like, he has to stay human because that's the whole point of Mm -hmm. Coulson is that like he is the most competent member of the Avengers and he has no superpowers other than like having no time for your shit and being willing to taser Tony Stark into the ground and watch Super Nanny over his drooling body, like. Son of Cole is singular and perfect because he is a suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They cannot give a half-robot alien, like, a half-robot superhero. Like, I'm turning down robot here. I'm just that's telling a big you, deal. That's like, a really, that's, like, a really intense decision for me <laughs> if um, I'm, like, no on the robot. Can I say the other way? This is, like, really off track. But the other way that you know that that corporation, the Botany Corporation, is evil is that they named their company <laughs> after AOL Instant Messenger. Like, come on. <laughs> that was unfortunate. <laughs> Slow clapping it out, okay. Thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, Final the- thoughts on the movie. We have to oh, wrap okay. this up. All right. Uh, it was good. A lot of questions, but still enjoyable. Yeah, which is, like, pretty powerful for a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I have to say that, like, the most coherent... Iron Man narrative that they've managed, or Avengers narrative at all that they managed to come up with was the original Iron Man movie. Yeah, and that was the movie that they wrote while filming it. Yeah, so... Clearly they need less editing, which is not something I would ever say. Yeah, because then I think if you go to the extreme, you get Iron Man 2. Yeah, but when they were just like, do this off the seat of our pants, amazing. Yeah, I mean, I have to say that, like, I think the thing that I took most away from this movie is that, like, it was really fun... I liked um, a lot of ideas that they sort of put in there. But honestly, it was just a really good time. And I'm kind of excited to see what, like, fandom does with it. Yeah, me too. I'm excited for a new wave. Yeah, exactly. Um, Like, more so excited about, like, the fanish developments post-Iron Man 3 than the actual film itself. Yeah. Yeah. We should just end it there, because that's a sad true note. (laughs) Yeah. Can we say? All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Sorry if we weren't as psyched as you guys were when we came out of the film. But uh, that bottomy thing was pretty dumb. 
It was pretty dumb. So dumb. Yeah. All right, I think that does it for us this week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you on the flip side. But if you can't wait that long, you can always find us on Twitter at, at slash report. Um, or you can find us individually on Twitter and Tumblr at MKIs. At Moonklets. Or on Tumblr you are. Mklets. And me, you can always find on Twitter at Often Imprudent or on Tumblr at Rage Proof Rock because I am the least creative person on earth. Um, Go team. That's about it. So see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Have you ever, like, come on, this is New York. Like, would I go downstairs and buy a Snapple? No, I would order an entire fucking meal of Chinese food. Just want to bring a Snapple. <laughs> Emily, I'm going to reach through the street and punch in the boob.